Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Nom Pro Show. I'm joined, not at all, in studio today by none other than Al, our other Nom Pro Show host, and Eric from Adventures in Collecting. How are you guys doing today? Hi, James. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Eric, I'm glad you said my name because I didn't introduce myself. So for those of you who didn't know me, yes, I'm James, one of the other non-pro show hosts. Um, so I don't know if you guys know what we're talking about today, but we have been spurred into discussion about uh, spiritual successors by our producer Frank's post on our Facebook fan club. He has asserted that with the release of the movie Palm Springs on Hulu, starring Andy Samberg and Christina Milato, his favorite type of sequel is actually a spiritual successor, a film or game or piece of media that is in the spirit of another piece of media, but not directly related. I, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is a this is a strong opinion, and, and I'm curious what you guys think about that. I mean, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting concept, right? Because like uh, the the idea of well. A spiritual successor, right? What is a spiritual successor? <laughs> um, especially when you're talking in the world of movies, right? Because if something is succeeding something else, usually that implies that it is a sequel. Um, right. And and I think the, the case that Frank was making with, uh, with Palm Springs was that it's a spiritual successor to Groundhog Day. For sure. And it shares a similar trope. But I guess the question here is then what you know, what makes something a spiritual successor? Obviously, like, just sharing a trope, specifically, I mean, many movies share tropes and themes. You know, my question would be is, you know, does it have to be very closely related to maybe an original or another piece of source material? Or is it maybe that a certain creative team has to be involved? Um, you know, what, what would we define you know, as the things we're looking for in something that we feel is like a related, spiritually related piece of media. I think there's a lot of media where the same creative team will come and tackle uh, another project and it will feel in the same vein as the other one or as one they had done previously. And it's it's labeled as a spiritual successor. Um the difference, I think, being is that, like, not every Pixar movie is a spiritual successor to the previous Pixar movie, but, like, you you get what I mean when when they, when they I talk about, like, well, this group uh, got together to go do another thing. Um, like, in a weird way, uh, there's certain Tarantino films that, like, people felt like they had to be connected in a way. Um, well, then, I, I don't know if I would call that a spiritual successor to those films like reservoir dogs doesn't feel like it's sequeled by pulp fiction but there is a feeling that like a creative team will bring to a project that feels like it's it's continuing the emotions left in the previous film well i think that that that's a good point right because now you're talking the difference between so, so you have like a linear story right you have you know star wars where you have a, you know a trilogy comes out and then a prequel trilogy comes out and then a sequel trilogy comes out like none of those it's 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 not even a question like those are not spiritual successors to each other that it is a sequence of films to the point where they're actually numbered you know Star Trek same same sort of deal but 
the Tarantino films or, you know, say the Marvel films, those are like a shared universe, right? Because even Tarantino has has finally come out and said that, you know, there's really two sets of movies, right? There's movies that happen within the universe that the Tarantino movies happen. And then there are the movies that the characters in those movies would go see in the movies in their in their universe. And that's where you get like the um the 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 rewrites of history. So like you're in Glorious Bastards and and um uh once upon, once a, upon time a time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. Like those films are the films that somebody in Reservoir Dogs would go to the theater and see. So that is kind of like that same kind of Marvel cinematic universe, like shared universe sort of thing. But I think a good example of of a uh, to Al's point, like a crew coming back and doing kind of these movies that that really are kind of spiritual successors to each other would be um, Edgar Wright with the with the the Cornetto trilogy, mm. the Shaun of the Dead, um, Hot Fuzz, and then and The World's End, or even um, Scorsese. You know, you have st- you have movies like Goodfellas and then Casino. Um, you know where he's literally putting the, the 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 gang back together but as completely different characters in a similar kind of setting you know i i think i think that is where that key element of like having the same set pieces and bringing them together and kind of like using them differently is is where you get that kind of spiritual successor vibe at least in film i'm, I'm i think sure cur- i'm curious though because at what point does it just become uh, another piece of work. Say Scorsese gets like the band back together and just makes another movie. Does does it automatically make it a spiritual successor to the last film he does, or is it just another Scorsese film? I think yeah. I think Scorsese is a tough one. Uh, I think I see where you're going, Eric. But Scorsese is a tough one just because I think his style shines through in his films. It's the same way like Tarantino's a weird example. That said, I feel like nail on the head, the Cornetto trilogy is a great example of spiritual successor, right? It just, it feels right, right? It, they don't feel like, they're not technically a trilogy. They call it the Cornetto trilogy, but they're obviously, they're an unrelated trilogy. It just has the same actors and it has the same feel and the same style and kind of the same message, you know, in a way that, you know, picking three slightly related Scorsese movies doesn't feel like it hits the hits the, the you know hits the stride hits the theme. Yeah, because um, I mean, I, Edgar, you know, Edgar Wright was saying, "I want to make a horror comedy. I want to make an action comedy. I want to make a sci-fi comedy," and that's what he did you know, with those with those three films. He, you know, was blending genres, but again, to your point, like it, they feel like. I, it's it's I don't want us to walk away from this going like it's a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to say that though, because to an extent it does have to be, um, because there are going to be unrelated successors to things that have nothing to do with the original cast or creators that are just going to take like inspiration and like which I think is the case with uh, Palm Springs because it doesn't have anything to do with anyone that no. did anything to do in Groundhog's Day. Um, so like it, sometimes it is just like, well, we liked that. We liked the feeling. We liked the message. We liked the, the taste of the comedy. 
and the vibe that the actors were giving off in their performances and but we just we we did something with it we we took the idea but we put something on top of it or we took it in a different direction or we did something with it that made it um like not we made it obvious where we were getting our stuff from but just enough to make it our own I feel like there's definitely a couple of self-proclaimed spiritual successor, successors in, in film and TV. A couple of ones that just come to mind are like uh, Cloverfield, uh, the Cloverfield films, right? You've got Cloverfield and then you've got like 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is like a very different style movie done, you know, other than the producing team by an entirely different creative team, you know, and it, it never really says that they're connected in any way, but you know, at the same time, like it walks away feeling like it's, you know, a similar vibe, a similar thing. And it, I like 10 Cloverfield Lane way better than Cloverfield. Um, oh, I think, yeah, I do. I do. I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. And I have I have a mixed bag as far as Cloverfield goes. Um, in television, I'm thinking same creative teams, Parks and Rec, right? It's technically a spiritual successor to The Office, though, as far as I know, none of The Office characters or anything ever appear. But I mean, it's that same documentary style. It's still Greg Daniels. You know what I mean? It just feels like it's hitting, you know, it went from private to public sector. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, I think that that is that is, you know, that's a solid point. And and. and the thing that's interesting about 10 Cloverfield Lane is that movie wasn't even supposed to be within that, that whole series. It was no, not originally. Had, yeah. Completely different ending. Like, and uh bad robot picked it up and, and honestly, like they, they kind of like threw a Hail Mary and, and shoehorned it into the, the, te- the like Cloverfield name it, it, very successfully. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. But, um, you know, it, it's just it's it's interesting, like, because to me, I don't think of that film as a, as a spiritual successor. I think of it, it would as, just be a successor. Right. Or, or like a shared universe sort of thing like that. It's happening. Whatever whatever monster attack is happening is is happening elsewhere in other forms. Like I like I just think of that movie as as a shared shared universe, like it's happening in the same world that the you know the, the the cloverfield first cloverfield film happened in i can think of a like an interesting example let's move away from movies for a hot minute um i think like and it still keeps it sort of in the same vein as in like the team quote unquote is working on it um i'm going to transition to video games and say that there is the game series of system shock that was spiritually succeeded by the game series of bioshock 100 percent Oh, yeah. I didn't even know about System Shock. Yeah, yeah. it happens on a spaceship. I'm looking this up. They are up. in completely separate universes. They're not related in any kind of way except some semblance of theme and similarity in gameplay, kind of. Um, they're both first-person shooters. But, like, yeah, it's it's very much taking ideas and concepts and theming and just moving them in a different direction. Yeah, because huh. that is that is the same creative team, and I, it's actually Al. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I'm I'm actually playing through the original Bioshock again, um, on the the like the remastered version. And there's this new part of the game where uh, you you pick up these these video reels, and they actually cut to behind the scenes stuff from the creators. And I literally just started replaying this through maybe three or four nights ago, and the first reel that I picked up was them talking about 
uh, how they went from being System Shock on a spaceship, and they actually, I, I'm, I might be paraphrasing, but or misquoting, but I'm pretty sure they they even refer to Bioshock as the spiritual successor to, uh, to uh, System Shock, yeah. and that when they were originally planning Bioshock, they were like, hey, we stranded people on a on a spaceship. Uh, where else can we strand them? And that's, that's <laughs> literally how they came up with Under the Sea, because they were like, we can we can make the world huge. We don't have to worry about processing power because people have this, you know, uh, predisposition so that if they're underwater, they know that they don't have to see like forever into the distance and they can save the energy to make, you know, the textures and the internal things better. So like all like the, the techie geek stuff about programming, but that the idea was they wanted a spiritual successor to System Shock. I think, too, when I think about video games and spiritual successors, and this is more of a modern um, uh, development, I think a lot about Kickstarters, for better or for worse. I think about... Yeah, we could we could go to Mighty Number no. 9, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, I think about uh, Ukulele and Mighty Number no. 9, yeah. right? So I think of the, the people who left Rare, who were a part of the Banjo-Kazooie team and created Ukulele, um, which is a fun enough platformer. I actually find it quite good. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's pretty decent. Yeah, and then, um, you know, Mighty Number no. 9, obviously the creator of Mega Man, or the, the guy who had been the head of Mega Man for the, the longest period of time, leaves and creates Mighty Number no. 9 as his sort of take on Mega Man to uh, mixed results. Um, but yeah, I That's feel like with video... <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I did back the Kickstarter. You know, I'm I'm a huge Mega Man fan. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, that's. I feel like it's an interesting. It's an interesting world in video games, just because you know. I think with film and television, the teams are. I don't want to say relatively small because it takes obviously a lot of people to do these things. Yeah. Um, but the creative teams tend to be much tighter as compared to, I think, the creative input. Most video games, not all, the team, I think, has more, more to put their own signature in on the game because there's just so much to be done. You know, one guy doing the programming could have been the guy who, you know, came up with the noise that Banjo and Kazooie made, you know, and he could have been relatively far down Right. But he was the programmer who was like, this will be easier to do. Let's do it this way. You know, so I feel like video games have a not more spiritual successors, but maybe they're a little easier to identify. Well, I think that that gets a little bit more closer to the center of it. Right. Because now we're talking about a spiritual successor as something that has shared methodology. And I think you know to your point video games it's a, it's a lot easier to do that and and uh, the moment I, I started thinking about video games I, I immediately thought of two that I, I can't believe I didn't think of until we were sitting here which is um sticking with rare I would say perfect dark is a spiritual successor to goldeneye yeah didn't they start that as like trying to make a goldeneye sequel but they didn't secure the rights for another James Bond game so I, they we got perfect dark I, th I think you might be right and then, and then the other one too would be Portal being a spiritual successor to Half Life. Oh man, yeah. You know they they took the concepts that they developed in Half Life, and you know the 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 functions and the same team, and you know Valve being as tight knit as they are, and you know the same kind of like 
grassroots development and pushing the envelope and trying to be dark and funny, but still re recreate and, and kind of flip the world on its head in terms of how games were played from that perspective. And you end up with portal. What about, you know, and I, I feel like this conversation was maybe a little easier prior to the invention of the shared universe, but I mean, what do we feel about games that, that kind of have their, that shared universe? Uh, these are going to be like wild throws here, but the Sims and the Tycoon games? It's like Roller Coaster Tycoon and Zoo Tycoon. Obviously, Sim City, Sim Ant, Sim Farms, Sim The Sims. Sim Ant. <laughs> I thought about that game in like 15 years. I used to play Sim Ant on my large disc floppies when I was a kid, and I loved it. That's difficult, though, because now we're talking about like maybe spinoffs or something like that, because like. When you think about that, we have to like go over to like stuff like Final Fantasy. Like, is Kingdom Hearts a spiritual successor to Final Fantasy? It probably not. It's more like an arm on the tree, as opposed. I don't know. I feel like you could make that argument. I, I guess the problem with the successor is you're assuming that the original isn't really being made anymore, or it's not the same, right? Yeah. Like they're not making more System Shocks. Assumably, they moved on to Bioshock. Right. So I think that's a criteria. I think that's a criteria we can be pretty solid on. It's not probably a spiritual successor if the other thing, if we're on Groundhog Day 25, you know, Palm Springs probably isn't a spiritual successor because well, we, we keep bringing up Palm Springs and, and Groundhog Day. And I have to say there was another spiritual successor to Groundhog Day prior to um, two, I would say, prior to uh, Palm Springs. Which ones are you going to name? Because I, I, I can think of one, too. I would say that 51st Dates is a spiritual successor to Groundhog Day. It's a really? Romantic, a romantic comedy where they are reliving the same day every day. I mean, you think about it. and The methodology know, is different. It's not like sci-fi-ish, but I, oh, I see this. And, and I would say Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day is a good one. Um, I also think of uh, Live, Die, Repeat um yes right even though that was technically it's technically based on a manga but the concept is still very much the same and certainly the movie borrows familiar imagery and thought processes we have from something like groundhog day you know it's such a it's such a like forgotten landmark film like because we we are so stuck now in the world of like rebooting things, right? <laughs> like I, I, I just read today that they're like thinking about rebooting Home Alone, which just it it hurts on so many different levels. But that franchise never do... really left. Like that... Yeah, <laughs> Disney's got to do something with all that Fox property. Ugh, like I just you know, it, like there are no, there's nobody writing original scripts anymore. But you know, you you go back to Groundhog Day, and that was such an interesting concept, like. If anything, if you could connect it to nothing else, it's effectively a, a what that mo- that movie's probably like ninety minutes. It's been a while since I've watched it, but it's yeah. a ni- ninety minute long episode of the Twilight Zone. Ultimately, like when you re- when you really think about it, like like you could picture, you know, after the second time Bill Murray wakes up and he's like, "Wait, I just." did all this like you could picture like camera pan right to rod serling you know (laughs) you know this is this is a man who has shown that he needs to relive the day every day and like you know you figure out that what he has to do but that trope i think has is is so you can be so uniquely twisted 
to a to a film's need where like something like a 50 first dates or a happy death day or a live die repeat i feel like they can use that trope and still be a spiritual successor like i don't think it has to i don't think it has to be mutually uh exclusive no i think using the trope i think using the trope would be required right there has to be some shared feeling right but it's not just using the trope because i'm sure there are many other things that have used the you know uh, you know that episode of supernatural where they continue to wake up and repeat the same day that's not a spiritual successor to groundhog day we call that a nod yes. you know because supernatural in and of itself isn't all groundhog day i'm trying to think of what let's focus in for one actually on, that you might want to be able to go use. for it now there is um oh. and it's a it's a property with an actual sequel and then a spiritual sequel and that right. is Avatar The Last Airbender, spiritual su- spiritual successor being the Dragon Prince. Mm, and then Korra being the, the actual, actual, actual sequel. sequel. Yep. Oh, that's interesting, right? Because obviously both have the original both have original creative teams involved, right? So the cre- the like head creator moves on to do the Dragon Prince while his two underlings go on to do Korra. Um, you know, and they certainly feel you know, obviously Korra feels similar because it's set, you know, specifically in the same universe. Um, well, the Dragon Prince feels similar because it's, um, hmm, yeah, ah, that's interesting. It doesn't so really the, grab the thing- any of the tropes, per se, from the previous work, but the emotions, a lot of the theming, and, like, some elements of it, like, they still remain the same. In the cast, uh, some of those characters seem to some of those actors, excuse me, not characters, uh, come over to the new project. And it, it just has a very similar vibe, and intentionally so. For sure. It's definitely trying to attract the same audience. Um, I think, you know, and I don't want to get into uh, what I like over one versus the other thing. You know, I think I like that there seems to be, you know, a real addition to... It, this is a hard statement, though, too, because it's it's easy to say that there's a, a feels like an addition to Avatar with Korra because it is literally building upon that universe. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if I have any more to comment on that. I think that's a pretty good example of something that has both spiritual successor and, you know, and a continued franchise. Do you but I. Would you would you think and I'm just thinking I'm trying to think of of things that are in that vein now that have like both a spiritual successor and an actual sequel. How do you think that? All right. So. uh, You have Dragon Ball, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have Chrono Trigger. And then you have Dragon Ball Z. What like Chrono Trigger? Because Chrono Trigger, yeah, Chrono Trigger the game has almost the same. It, it, I mean, it's created by they're both they're all both created by uh, Akira Toriyama, but right. you have the same kind of like art style, the same kind of world textures, yeah. the same kind of um, not necessarily like abilities, but you do have people that can like shoot fireballs out of their hands it's, and stuff. Chrono so, Trigger is is far more Journey to the West than Dragon Ball Z ever was. Yes, um, but it, they both pull from that generic idea, 
Right, but like this sure. is the same creator kind of pulling off of his own stuff as opposed to like I, I'm not saying that there's a journey to the West allegory in Chrono Trigger. I'm saying that there's far more adventure with our friends to get to the end of a thing in Chrono Trigger than there ever was in Dragon Ball Z, which was kind of like, oh, we're gonna fight. Well, but <laughs> so theoretically, the main successor then would be Dragon Ball, right? Which well, Dragon fit. Ball would be first, right? Because I think right. Chrono Trigger was what the the early nineties. Yeah, think, yeah. So be Dragon 95. Ball, Chrono Trigger, and then Dragon Ball Z. And I think Dragon Ball and Chrono Trigger are pretty similar, and in a way that, like, to reference his other works, Doctor Slump, and you know, providing all the art and some story for, you know, bajillion Dragon Quest games isn't quite the same. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. It's it's hard because the the different mediums I think add some complication to this, right? You know, Al, you said you know there's obviously more journeying with friends, but I mean that is in some aspects part of the whole RPG genre, <laughs> you know. So if they were making an RPG game, it was always going to have maybe more of that than a TV show. Um, you know what I think might be a good one. And this is one that I think fits that same bill, but separate creative teams. What about the Orville? Oh, the, the Orville is totally a spiritual successor to two different things, I think. I think it's definitely meant to be OG Star Trek, uh-huh. right? Seth MacFarlane wasn't allowed to make an OG Star Trek show. I remember people talking you know, more highly about season two of the Orville than season one of Discovery, which people feel was like, you know, this doesn't feel like Star Trek, but this other thing here does. Obviously, Star Trek has many a sequel. Uh, Yeah. What do we think about that? Because that's that's the same sort of idea as Al's core and the Dragon Prince, but different creative teams. I also think that's a spiritual successor to Galaxy Quest. Mm, That's a great idea, too. I don't know if I want to say Galaxy Quest because I feel like Galaxy Quest's ideas were more about what if we got the actors from Star Trek and threw them into space. Um, but it's like, that level it's... of self-awareness is more what I'm latching on to. Because, like, the, you know, sure, the, the Orville, like, doesn't have that fourth wall to break through the way that, you know, was smashed in Galaxy Quest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, forget about breaking the fourth wall. It was like, you know, they were like the Kool-Aid guy. Um, Quite literally I, at the end of the film, too. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think that level of, like, we know, we know, and, and, and this is like Seth MacFarlane's wheelhouse, right? Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. You You know I know what I'm doing. And that's what's happening here. And that's why, like, when I watched the first season of the Orville, I was like, this is this is perfect. This is great because it, it's it has the the DNA of OG Star Trek. But at the same time, they're kind of a parody, like kind of sort of. I would say, like, it's actually for me when I'm watching it as much more of a TNG feel than it does the TOS. Um I don't know if that's how it's coming for for you guys, but when I watch the Orville, I'm I'm definitely getting more of a of a Worf, Picard, uh, Data to Android uh, feel off that show than I am um, when I'm watching like Kirk and Spock and McCoy like beam on a planet and then like have sex with green women. Uh, <laughs> 
yeah, it's not it, it's not as campy. It's definitely not yeah. as campy as yeah. I guess when I when, you know when I say OG Star Trek, I I you have to remember you know like born in eighty eight. You know OG Star Trek, <laughs> OG Star Trek for me is the next generation. Like I almost oh, kind of forget that like <laughs> the TOS existed, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It fits. It fits either way, though. Even if we're, even if it's the Orbills taking on themes from <clears throat> the better Star Trek series. Um, no, even if, if uh, you know, it's taking on themes from the what? Next Generation. That's what still that a successor. What? Nothing. <laughs> we're doing a, a shout out. Uh, we are currently doing a rewatch on Twitch every Friday at eight thirty of the Star Trek: The Original Series. So please tune into that. Um, yeah, but I think it fits and works either way. All right, let's see. I'm, I'm going to call it. Let's see if we can we can hammer in our criteria. Uh, I th- think it doesn't have to, but it helps if the original creative team is involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. So that's going to be point number one. What else do you guys think? What else should we add to this? I would say that there has to be some level of shared trope. Okay. Yep, that makes sense. Like, it can't. Like you have to be in a mystical land or uh, stranded in a, a science fiction setting. Uh, like something has to be uh, done in some way. Time, time loop. You know, s- yeah, something. You know, and I know, I know, we didn't want to name this, but it has to feel right. You know, and I wish we could add more, add more to that. Right, but no, no we, can, we can, James. Like we, okay, we can, we can, we can get right, this on, like, We can go by aesthetic. I think that that's like what you're oh. talking about. I think is aesthetic, and I, I think that that's what we can call it, and that's what we can name it. I, 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 I agree All with right. that aesthetic. Yeah, I, because it's, it's not necessarily like, you know, I mean, aesthetic is at the end of the day the look and feel. So right, you know I, what? I think you're right. Aesthetic is aesthetic is the term. For sure. So, you know, Mighty Number no. 9 is trying to capture the aesthetic of Mega Man. Even if it's going to improve or change upon it, it wants you to look at it and instantly feel familiar with its previous property. I like that. Is there anything else we're missing? So it's a original creator involved is a, is a big bonus. It has to share the same aesthetic. Shared trope, right? It has to share, it has to share a, you know, a constructive trope element. Is there anything else we're missing? I guess it has to be it has to be separate from the from the universe. Like I don't think it can take place in the uh, not in the an same obvi- world. It can't not an obvious sequel. Yes, it can't just be a sequel, right? It, which, which is why I think like stuff like Kingdom Hearts or Crystal Chronicles or stuff like that doesn't really work because it's all kind of connecting back to the source material. It can't do that. We might we might allow it to get away with a nod here or there uh maybe let's yeah. call it the good place uh you know the good place as a spiritual successor to you know the rest of his works right um you know there's a mention of a character whose name might be the same guy right but it's not it's not like hey that actor appears playing the exact same character sort of deal yeah it's it's not like uh you know you 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 race a, a chocobo in in Final Fantasy VII and then bump into chocobos again two games later with a different name, yeah that that doesn't count. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. It uh it needs to share uh it should share creators, but it doesn't have to if you're very talented. It 
needs to have that same aesthetic. It needs to share a mechanical trope of some kind uh, and that it cannot obviously be just a direct sequel. Right. So we're going to we're going to lose out 10 Cloverfield Lane here because at the end it pulls the rug out and it says direct sequel. (laughs) Remember those monsters? (laughs) All right. Yeah, I think we got it. I think we have another non pro criteria. I don't we don't really have a name for this thing and we the do criteria it all the time. collection the criteria collection hmm, that sounds familiar <laughs> well gentlemen thank you very much for joining me this was really interesting um you know before we go can is there any big spiritual successor we left out something that we'd be amiss if we didn't mention well i wanted to mention one thing i know eric is from the adventures in collecting podcast and i think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention a toy line oh all right point in time i'm ready and i wanted to mention the toy line of mask and it's two wonderful spiritual successors in bone age um and vortex <laughs> oh my god vortex yeah <laughs> definitely but Bo- Bo- bone age <laughs> i mean yeah you're not wrong but vortex that's that's a pull yep. yeah def- definitely a spiritual successor to uh to to mask i mean for for me the easiest spiritual successor um, one of one of my favorite toy lines of all time, uh, McFarlane Toys Movie Maniacs. Um, the really like the first time that like you know six seven inch toys had the amount of detail that they had, and they actually looked like the actors, and you know they were these amazing gory horror movie toys. Um, literally, per- pretty much NECA's entire business model <laughs> is a spiritual successor to those Movie Maniacs toys. Like they they owe they owe everything to the fact that you know, McFarlane kind of kicked that door down. And I think about it all the time. Like anytime I see, I'm I'm actually looking (laughs) at them. I'm actually looking at them like next to each other and how great they look next to each other. Like, you know, a Xenomorph from last year looks fantastic next to a a Freddy Krueger. That's like literally 20 years old. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite spiritual successor movie maniacs. And then NECA. So I have a, a, that's amazing. I have a quick question. Is there something, is there a different element to a toy? Uh, that would make it a spiritual successor. Is there something additional to our formula that might that might change because it's not, uh, I guess, a traditional piece of media in the way I mentioned the others before TV, film, you know, game. No, I think it still works because like it's the same aesthetic. It's um, vehicles that turn into other vehicles with dudes that put on masks that give them powers. In all three of those, um, it's like they share somewhat of the action adventure feel um bone age kind of goes back in time but vortex and uh mask are both kind of contemporary stories of technology gone awry um but like i think that they still kind of technically work and they don't I mean, none of them exist in the same universe well you know i i am thinking of one thing though that that maybe to- a toy line does give to this that's a little bit unique is there's a sense of kind of like how do i put this um filling a void right so if you have if if you have a toy line that is something as like al cover your ears i i you know i i hope i'm not making i don't want to wish this true but like if like all of a sudden we woke up tomorrow and transformers were gone like they were not making any more transformers pretty much anything that would come next as disconnected from the transformers brand as it would be like if it was some sort of really super well-designed articulated puzzle box robot 
car sort of toy or or anything within that kind of like spectrum, it would fill the void that was once filled by Transformers. Or you I'll, know, I'll the- be honest, you don't need that line to be canceled for people to already do that. Uh, well, <laughs> the yeah, Transformers I mean, if, if fandom is a spoiled and, and <laughs> suspicious yeah. lot. They will they will go out and find stuff that they're looking for while the toy line is go is still going strong. Um, I would say one that's really remiss and like is keep, which might have just been solved is like people have been looking for a, a a sequel to that DC Classics line for like ever since that was canned. And yeah, like yeah. I think McFarlane might have hit it. We're not. I'm. It's it's too clo- too soon to call that. But we've been looking for that sequel for a long time. Yes. yes. So so I think I think that's your other criteria, James. Is filling the void. Does <laughs> does does the spiritual does the thing that we're calling the spiritual successor fulfill fill the void of the thing that once filled it? I think that uh that might even be able to go back and be applied to some of our our other things, right? In the yeah, absence absolutely. of you know, in the absence of a Star Trekky feeling Star Trek, does you know, does the Orville satisfy you enough that you don't have to continue to rewatch, you know, the Next Generation every day? Uh, James, I will never be. I will never be satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The formula works. Please join us for our sequel to this episode, where we go through spiritual successors to drink flavors. So I've said it here first. We're doing it sometime in the undetermined future. Uh, Thanks for joining us, and uh, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.